I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 551 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, I have got an amazing guest returning to the podcast here for a very special Frogman Friday edition of First Class Fatherhood. Navy SEAL Rob O'Neill joins me on the podcast. Rob is very well known as being the guy who shot and killed Osama bin Laden. He also took part in many other famous missions, including the rescue of Captain Phillips from the Somali Pirates. You guys have heard my interview with Captain Phillips himself right here on the podcast. Rob was a member of the Navy SEALs Elite Unit, SEAL Team 6, or known as DevGrew. He deployed more than a dozen times and participated in over 400 combat missions. Some of his many decorations, more than 52 decorations, include two silver stars and four bronze stars with valor. Rob can now be seen regularly on almost all news outlets commenting on military and other issues. He's got such a charismatic personality with a quick wit, a great sense of humor. The last time Rob was here was almost 500 episodes ago, back on episode 54. It's a tremendous honor to have him back on the podcast today. Rob O'Neill will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And today's interview with Rob O'Neill was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. So if you'd like to watch the conversation between myself and the SEAL Team 6 operator, please subscribe to First Class Fatherhood on YouTube. Link is in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, if you guys enjoyed today's interview with Rob O'Neill, you got to go back and check out the interview I did with Rob's dad, Thomas O'Neill, stopped by the podcast. Also, as you know, I've interviewed over 60 Navy SEALs right here on the podcast, including Jocko Willink, Marcus Luttrell, Medal of Honor recipients, Michael Thornton and Ed Byers, and so many others. Go to the archives of the podcast. You will see all the Navy SEALs who have stopped by here to talk with me about fatherhood and family life. Make sure you guys follow me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace for all the upcoming guest announcements. i got some bangers coming your way soon. If you're enjoying this podcast, please hit me with that rating and review. It always goes a long way to help me out. And as always, guys, please let me spread the word about the podcast. Every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list, let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks. Family values rule. And every day is Father's Day right here with me. And I'm going to be right back with Rob O'Neill. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. What's doing, dads? I've got two ways for you guys to save money and support First Class Fatherhood. First up, the NFL season is back and the stands are packed once again with fans the way it's supposed to be. If you plan on taking your kids, going with your family, or going with the guys to the game, save $20 on your tickets by going to SeatGeek.com or using the SeatGeek app and use my promo code FIRSTCLASS. That's one word, FIRSTCLASS, and you're going to save $20 off your tickets. Okay, and secondly, you got to go to MyPillow.com and save up to 66% off using my promo code FATHERHOOD. MyPillow.com, use the promo code FATHERHOOD. I'll tell you right now, their pillows are great, but their mattress toppers, their towels, their bathrobes are next level. you got to check them out. MyPillow.com, use the promo code FATHERHOOD, and you're going to save up to 66% off your order. All right, you got that, guys? SeatGeek, save $20 on your tickets, promo code over there, first class. My pillow promo code over there, fatherhood. All right, two ways for you guys to save money and support First Class Fatherhood. Uh, joining me now, First Class Father, Rob O'Neill. Welcome back to First Class Fatherhood. Thank you, Alec, for having me. It's great to be with you again. All right, well, let's get an update on the girls here. How old are they now? How are they doing? Well, they're teenagers now. Last time I talked, uh, to be perfectly honest, I was still in a place where I'm not sure how much to talk about them. Because just for security reasons and whatnot, but they are teenagers. They are uh, 
it's almost college time. We'll get into that for, for, for two of them. So uh, we're figuring that out. It's a lot of fun. I get to hang out and uh, discuss essays with them, what their interests are. And it's, I, I actually get to see, so one of my kids is homeschooled. One goes to public school, one goes to private. And that's honestly all um, um, personal choice on their end. And it's, it's interesting to see the different points of view they have. They're all, you know, like every father, I consider them all to be complete geniuses. But it's just funny to see that everything from now, what's happened to the um, the pandemic, to isolation, to being at home, stuck there. And uh, and then everything from social issues to, to um, <clears throat> you know, I finally know what it's like to be the, the old man, the dinosaur in the room that doesn't quite understand what we used to call history that they call social studies. Um, they're doing well, though. Uh, two of them are driving. The youngest is not yet, but she's already... She's funny to talk to because she's got her eye on a car, and I'm like, no, no, you're going to get whichever one they hand down. I, you, you're sorry about that. It's like a pair of jeans. You might not get new ones, but you're going to get some. <laughs> yeah, listen, I'm not looking forward to that. My oldest is 15, so we're just getting ready for the driving stuff. And I'm like you. I got uh, my, I have three of my kids are going to Catholic school, and I have one that's going to vocational school. So I uh, get a chance to see the different, uh, you know, different ways of the teaching. So I'll tell you what, Rob, you're definitely one of the best follows on social media. You're very entertaining, and you got a great sense. It's it's easy to forget that you're this trained Navy SEAL guy and all this stuff, man. Do, do your daughters? Do they have any of them have yes. that sense of humor yeah, like you got? They, they're very very funny. Um, my youngest, I think, might be the funniest because she's had to put up with the other ones crap forever but yeah that's good and i've you know i've i've told them for a while and then you know they've been through some hard times that with me being gone a lot of their lives um they've had to realize too that a sense of humor will keep morale up to keep it happy you know and, and you know they're teenage girls and they all love me so i'm lucky because a lot of you know the, but the, you know the teenage girls they they have a tendency to get mad at their mom but they love their dad and, and that's fine with me i guess but yeah the, the the social media thing is um it's just, you know, don't take it too serious and don't be afraid to joke. We're not allowed to tell the truth or joke about anything nowadays. And I think that's all crap. That's why I'm not afraid to call people out. And if I use the F word, I'm usually doing it tongue in cheek. So, you know, if, if, if people could take a rap off of everything, occasionally take a breath and have a laugh, it's going to be a it, it'll be a much better world. <clears throat> yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Rob. Yeah, and I'm obviously I'm only on there to promote my podcast and stuff. I, I don't get into any of that. That's why I love following guys like you to keep it light. But getting back into what you're saying about the kids going to school right now, uh, the last time I spoke with you, we talked about the every kid gets a trophy philosophy and the colossal failure that that's been. But right now, the kids are dealing with having to wear masks in school. We got the CRT, which is telling them black kids are victims, white kids are are evil, and then you got um, uh, everything going on with uh, sexual education. Oh, we're, we're seeing just in Jersey here, they added the curriculum last year to teach the kids about anal sex. We're seeing now you can tell the kids you can pick your gender. So these kids are dealing with a lot more than you or I ever had to deal with uh, growing up in the education system here. What's your take on all that? Well, yeah, and, and it's <clears throat> I think they're teaching stuff that doesn't need to be taught at school. I, I, I mean, I believe you look, I'm a, I'm a white guy from Montana and I've never been exposed to racism towards me. So I don't know what that's like, but I really think it's segregating segregating people regardless of your intentions is going to teach racism and and teaching teaching minorities that the white kids are the bad guys that's not going to help because i don't think i think racism is taught you're not born racist <clears throat> having said that though um you know they, they go to multicultural schools and everyone seems to get along just fine it just seems like the teachers are really trying to implement this for, for no reason whatsoever you, you don't need to teach a lot of these social skills in school in the media, anything like that. And and we're seeing it go all the way up to, to, to college. I mean, we're mentioning uh, Votech and things like that. I know employers right now, I have a, a company called Special Operators Transition Foundation to help special operators leave the Army, the Navy, the Marines, the Air Force, Coast Guard, whatever. 
And a lot of CEOs, COOs want to hire veterans because they know they can teach them the job. They'll show up on time. They're not saying, when's my first raise? And by the way, can I get 30 days off because I started here? Um, with the Votech stuff, it's like one, one of the CEOs told me that they'll interview people and say, well, what do you do? Well, you know, I got a degree in liberal arts. No, no, I didn't ask you your degree in liberal arts. What do you do? What can you do? Well, you know, I took the, no. What are your skills? And they don't have any skills. They know how to be professional victims. They're really good at blaming someone else. They don't take personal responsibility. And that's part of the problem, the indoctrination of the kids going from certain, like, it's, it's my, you know, my girl in um, public school has a different attitude than my girl in private school, a private Catholic school. And again, it's by their choice, but it's, it's two completely different conversations with these girls. And I don't know if they argue about it themselves, but it's two outlooks that one has obviously been indoctrinated and one hasn't. Yeah. And listen, I'm right there with you. And, and listen, the way I grew up, we played a lot of street football, stuff like that. And the way you got picked on these teams was, can you tackle somebody? Can you catch the ball? That's what anyone cared about. They didn't care uh, what the color of the kids were. It's, can you play the game? You're same thing. I'm a mechanic my whole life. Most of the time people want to know, okay, whatever color you are, can you change this transmission out? Can, can you do a break job? That's what's important here. And skill quality, that stuff has got to become more valued uh, than the color of the skin. And then teaching your kids that as opposed to being a victim, I, you know what my, if I could do it all over again, knowing how hard SEAL training is, um, I would want to be a carpenter or a plumber or both. Because, no, because I, like I'll, I, I'll see const, uh, in places that are still building up, I'll see construction guys working, and I'm, I'm almost like envious. Like, that's a man skill. That, that's awesome. Uh, I would love to. I, I'm not a good carpenter. I don't have that. And with the, you know, I, I'm convinced that carburetors are magic because I don't get them. I just, you know, but I'm good at delegation. I learned in the, in the Army or the Navy. Um, uh, the best thing I need to know about my uh, my car is the number of a good mechanic. That's basically all. <laughs> yeah, and I miss carburetors too. I'm not into all that fuel injection stuff and everything. It's gotten a lot more fancy since I first started learning. But I wanted to tap into this, Rob. Obviously, uh, a hot topic has been the uh, the terrible mishandling of the withdrawal from Afghanistan. I can only begin to imagine what that was like for you and your teammates to see after you guys put your heart, soul, and sweat and blood into that that area to see what happened there. Now, one of the things I wanted to touch on was, you know, we've seen these Afghan women from mother to willingly hand over their child to another man from another country wearing a military uniform with weapons, you know that they're in a, a serious situation here. So what, what, I mean, you've been there, you have the experience over there. What do you know? How, how do you see this entire thing from a point of point of view of a dad? How do you see this whole Afghan situation that's going on with the moms and the dads over there with their kids? It's a tough, tougher than people realize situation because we're able now with the 24-hour news cycle to report on how bad something is and just completely forget about it. We we rarely talk about the 13 uh, soldiers, Marines, uh, airmen that were killed, uh, preventable, predictable. What you know, and then seeing a parent just lift a child over um, a fence to a complete stranger tells you how bad it really is. Uh, I'm, I'm willing to sacrifice my life to give them a better life by handing them the stranger uniform. Maybe they'll get on a plane. Maybe, maybe they won't. And another thing people don't realize is in, in combat, and I'm talking, you know, different theaters of war I've been to, the vast majority of people are just trying to do just that. They're trying to raise their families. They're trying to get on with their lives. And they have to do what's necessary. These people in Afghanistan know what's coming. And the Taliban is uh, not only do they not forget what ha has happened according to their version of uh, strict Sharia law, they have we have uh, um, machines left that we left behind that can tell them, um, you know, the, 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 the retina uh, scan, their fingerprints. They have the, the, the ability to find out who's who and they're not going to forget 
They're, they're not going to not go after him going door to door. There are people as we speak right now sitting in a, a dark room waiting for the door to get kicked in so they can, you know, if they just get executed, they're lucky. And um, and now that they've taken over, they've gotten rid of cable news. They, they only put out the tweets that they allow. It's horrifying to think what's happening to these families because they, they the Taliban doesn't just kill you. They, they, they'll torture your family in front of you. They're horrific people. They're not these gentlemen that this administration is saying they are. They're, they're, they're bad people. They believe in a very, very misguided um, uh, version of, of a religion. And it's I can't imagine being there. I mean, it, it's a different world as it is. I was there when, well, we had a one in 2005 when I was over there. We, we screwed that up because if you can imagine, we let politicians and people that wear suits in the beltway try to handle it, which they're always going to, they're, they're going to screw up everything. There's really nothing the government, our government touches that gets better. That's not how it works nowadays because we get too many people that are longing for personal power involved. Um, it just, it breaks my heart because I've, I've literally been in, in, in houses that were the wrong house in Iraq at night. And I remember seeing uh, there was a, a mom and her daughter, and I was mad at myself for breaking into their house, getting mud on their white carpet. And I seriously thought to myself, I understand why they hate us. It's a, it's a nasty thing, but most people are just trying to do what they need to do to live. Yeah, definitely sad for the families involved over there. And, Rob, I got to get a quick hitter here. Obviously, it's the number one thing trending on Twitter as we're speaking is the Alec Baldwin situation uh, with, with a gun going off and killing somebody on the set. Now, obviously, you guys are training much more dangerously when you're doing this. You're using simulation rounds. I had Adam Brown's dad on the podcast here. Adam Brown was hit with a simulation round, lost vision in the one eye, I'm sure, as you know. And so you guys, how do you guys go about this when you're doing, obviously you're, you're doing it at a much higher intense than a Hollywood movie set. So what steps do you take that maybe they're not taking to secure that one of your guys, or have you seen teammates killed in training incidents like this? Alec Baldwin was not at fault. And I will, I will put the money on that. This is not, that's not, that's not his job. They have advisors on the set. I've never worked on a movie set, but I, I was a range officer in charge or a range safety officer, all that stuff. And I've worked on every range you can imagine from, from small arms to, to, to heavy weapons, to lasers, laser safety and stuff like that. Um, the key to safety is keeping it simple. And if, if this, and again, I don't, I, I haven't really talked to anybody about this, but I, I did hear that one bullet went through two people, which means that's not a blank. I'm sure people know how blanks work. They're blank. They're just that. And you might get a burn from a blank. If it went through two people and killed one, somebody screwed up. One of the advisors screwed up. And the way you keep it simple is not only do you not allow live rounds anywhere near a set, um, after you inspect it, you have a buddy inspect it. It's the same thing with skydiving. I will give you the Jumpmaster safety inspection. Uh, as soon as I give that JMPI, as we call them, uh, whatever, I forget the, I don't like acronyms. I'm out of the military now, so I don't use acronyms. And I tell time and AMPM. Uh, but as soon as you're done doing a safety check, someone else does a safety check because, you know, two is one, one is none. Uh, it, this could be anything from um, uh, uh, somebody had a personal concealed carry for protection security. I, and somehow a bullet got in. Um, I mean, it's even to the point where there's there are devices on the barrel that don't allow a live round to work. And there should be. Uh, but this is not Alec Baldwin's fault. Unfortunately, he has to live with it forever. And I guarantee he's heartbroken because that was an accident. Um, it was an accident, not n nothing to do with him. Somebody screwed up really bad and he's paying for it. Yeah, tragic. And, and, and a, a young mother. Uh, died as a result. So definitely tragic. Let me pull it back into you as a dad here now, Rob, for a moment. What would you say are the top values that you hope to instill in all your girls growing up? Um, success and failure, I guess, first. Um, it's no, there's nothing wrong with succeeding. There's nothing wrong with working hard and to try 
uh, as be to be the best you can. And you're going to learn a lot more failing than succeeding. Uh, that, that, that we talked about it last time with everyone getting a medal is the worst thing you can do because nobody really cares about how you feel. If you want to be great at something, uh, I don't know many CEOs that are very successful or millionaires that nail it on the first try. But there's nothing wrong with working hard. There's nothing wrong with telling the truth. Just because something's not politically correct, you might want to suggest the truth. Because stuff in Afghanistan is proof that if we continually lie to each other to make each other feel better, you're going to fail miserably. Uh, look at the difference between us and China. China right now is the only superpower in the world. They have everything from the deterrence to the forward defense. They don't have alliance solidarity because they really don't need it because Iran and Russia are going to help them. So I guess their allies or axes, whatever you want to call them. But uh, tell the truth. Don't be afraid of failure. Failure, success is not the end, but failure is not fatality. And um, no matter what happens, tomorrow is a clean slate. And um, one thing we learned in SEAL training that I was told me is um, when you feel like quitting, which you will, do not quit right now. Quit tomorrow. If you can keep quitting tomorrow, you can do anything in life. That's like don't let the emotion get in the way of everything. It's okay to write that really mean text or email, just don't hit send for 24 hours. I can actually use that advice for myself on Twitter sometimes. Give yourself a day and then hit it. But kind of like, you know, on social media and regular media, the 24-hour news cycle, it's I would say it's better to be first than to be right. And that's that's wrong. Yeah, very well said, Rob. And then obviously you said two of them uh, either almost college age there, they're driving and stuff. Obviously that means now my youngest is my only girl. She's four years old. I'm not looking forward to any of this stuff, but you're right there. How did you kind of handle it now? What kind of advice did you give your girls here as they became old enough to start hitting that dating scene? Um, the dating scene, I'm not concerned about because, like I said, they're smart. And I think I'm smart enough to realize an overbearing father is going to make them want to date that guy more. Um, I, I don't let myself meet their boyfriends yet. I've met one and it didn't go well simply because um, you're going to dump him eventually. I don't want him to know who I am. <clears throat> sort of like that. And also, um, I, yeah, and I'm too old to, to punch a 17-year-old kid in the face. Uh, <laughs> that whole legality thing. With the driving, um, I said if I even hear a rumor of you texting while the car is on, you're, I'm taking it away from you. Because eventually, you know, you'll see people at the red light and they're texting at the red light, but then they miss that. That screws up traffic. But then you start texting at the red light. You keep texting through the intersection. Um, you know, there are people that have died and their last text was BRB. You know, so uh, that, you know, safety like that, uh, your life is more important than that text that can be sent in two and a half minutes. Yeah, it, it's scary stuff, Rob. And I, one thing that is good about this generation, is, you know, I, I drive a lot of Uber on the weekends and stuff, and these young kids, they're not drinking and driving. So it's good to see that. A lot of them rely on Uber and Lyft, yeah. but the, the texting and driving has now, I think, maybe surpassed the danger. I think it's more dangerous because now they've actually gone so far as to call it distracted driving, which is the case. So drinking and driving, texting and driving, even being on the phone or uh, – you know, I used to see cars in Europe that didn't even have um, drink holders because their philosophy is all you need to be doing in the car is driving. Don't reach right. down. I, I took a ride with one of my relatives in Montana, um, my mom's sister. And one of the I've been in combat. One of the scariest moments of my life. We're in construction on a highway at night. And she kept reaching over, grab the soda, driving with a knee, open it up, taking a sip, doing. It's like, do you need me to drive? <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've been drinking that night and I would have been safe. Yeah, that's why I'm sure the drinking and driving don't ever do it as bad. Yeah, 100 percent. Yeah, I'm sure that these driving school instructors, they, they come home, they probably belt down a few drinks themselves after driving all day I, with them teenagers. I, that's another good thing about having a special operator as uh, 
uh, as a father is they've seen, you know, there's a, there's a lot of drinking in the military. They've seen it to the point where, you know what, they don't even want to do it. So at least that's a good thing about it. Yeah, definitely. And speaking about Montana, I know you're from Montana. I had your dad on the podcast here. Awesome guy. Great conversation. What is he like now uh, as a grandfather? What, what could you say about him? Him and how does he? Um, what's his relationship like with your kids? No, he's good. You know, he's in Montana. They're they're not. So he he sees them around the holidays once in a while. But he's good about the FaceTime. Good about calling him. And he's just he's fun. You know, he's he's the type of guy that um, which is good for the kids, but sometimes bad for the parents. It's like I miss you so much. I'm gonna spoil you when I see you, which is great for them. Because again, now that they're um. Uh, they're t- teenagers. Like even today, I'm like, well, it is Friday. I should, I haven't talked to them in a little bit. I should FaceTime. Then I'm like, it's Friday. They're teenagers. They don't really care if I call them tonight. They, they'd rather hear from me on Saturday morning. They're, they're doing their things. It's football season. They all have games to go to and stuff like that. Uh, no, he's, he's good with it. He, um, um, he, you know, he calls when he can. It's a, I have a weird situation where, um, everyone is split up, uh, you know, across the country. So, uh, when we get together, that was great. It's always, it's never a dull moment. Always good food. Um, like the biggest complaint is occasionally the turkey's overcooked. That's about it. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. And one of the things for me is to spend, uh, you know, quality one-on-one time with each one of my four yeah. kids. I know sure. it's important. So do, do you make it a point to do that? Do you have like daddy daughter dates? Do you do things like that? How does that all shape yeah. up for you? Well, we'll do that. I mean, obviously around birthday time and stuff like that, but I think that's very important to get them one-on-one. Um, cause I mean, there, I'll, I'll be honest though. Some of the most fun I have is when I have all three of them in a vehicle and we're driving somewhere to just I'll turn down the radio and I listen to the TikTok crap they play. They all know the songs. They all know the dances. And to hear them, the banter back and forth. Again, that's like a team thing, the morale thing. But it is important to get one-on-one time at dinner time and have a, ser- a serious conversation about how's everything. What do you think about this? Um, you know, just um, we took them to we took them to some schools around the country and just to walk them through the campuses and like, you know, you can lie to mom and tell her that we went to this campus. I'm like, no, you got to see this and see what's out there. And uh, I want you to realize too that, that you know, it's, if you're from a certain place and oh, I can't wait to go out of state for college, that means you're going to be out of state. Like this, you would live here, not at home. Like you don't just visit for an hour, come back home. So just, you know, realization, reality um, in life. And that, you know, like, everybody wants to, yeah, I can't wait to go to Manhattan and go to school there. It's like, but you'll be living in Manhattan. That's a big move from Virginia. So just realize it. But it, no, it's, I mean, it's fun. I, as much time as I can get with them, I, I just I love it there. And they're it's just, it's just funny to, to watch the personalities grow, how they separate. The sense of humor is a little bit different. Some of them, uh, when I talk to them, is like one one's like playing the white keys on the piano. The other one's the sharp keys. Like it's funny, a little different, but it's always awesome. They're, they're usually in good moods. And when they're not, they're not. It's fun. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Uh, listen, my four kids couldn't be more different. I mean, uh, it's, it's crazy how they come from the same place and, they, and they're so different. So I hear you on that. I, just, I remember saying that when they start talking, they're different. It's like, oh, my God, they're like little people. This is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's wild. It's an awesome yeah. experience. And just a quick hitter here, obviously, because of the uh, the mandates that have been going on. I read about they're doing it with the SEAL teams, making SEALs that aren't getting it, uh, seeming like that could. Now, uh, I would imagine a, a, the SEAL team's got to be very close and together on what they're doing. What kind of a distraction is this? What kind of an interruption is this in the SEAL teams, it's, it's, uh, the mandates and stuff? The way that it's being told to me is that they're leaving in droves. That was the word used by some of the people that put SEALs places. They're losing platoons at a time, which are, you know, 16 guys, but, you know, 30, make that 32 and then 32, 32. Because the um, social experimentation has been happening for happening for a while. When I was getting out in in 2012, so I got out a little over a year after the Bin Laden raid. I did, I did one more deployment after the Bin Laden raid, um, 
we were sitting in Afghanistan watching TV, and, and the, the big thing at the time was repealing don't ask, don't tell. And we, we didn't care. Like, when I'm looking around. I got a group of Navy SEALs at war, and I said, do any of you care if someone else is gay? And they're like, no, why would we care? And we're watching the media spin this as a something we need. We don't, we don't care about if someone's gay, if someone's transgender, if we have men and women, as long as they meet the standards, as long as they're not negatively affecting the team, which they never did. And that was what I saw. But then the, the further uh, I got away from the Navy, I guess they're making more and more mandatory training about social experimentation where to the point where, why aren't we in the gym? Why aren't we at the range shooting? Why aren't we getting better in the kill house tactics? We're taking these online courses that say we can't, um, um, we can't go on deployment unless we fill this, you know, 200 question test about white rage. What, what does this have to do with what we're doing? So the mandates themselves, I don't think um, were the, the major deal, but it was a straw that broke the camel's back. Enough is enough. When we invaded Iraq, um, they made it mandatory for us to get like seven or eight or nine anthrax shots. And I didn't want it at the time. And I didn't realize until now, basically, that the reason we got him is because someone in the Bush administration was making a ton of money because he's part of the company owner for this. But at the time, I'm like, you know, I want to fight. We haven't really been in fights two years after 9-11. Hit me with what you got. I'll, I'll, um, I'll, I'll nail it. But uh, now it's like, OK, enough. And guys are just tired of it. They've seen because now we've been to combat. We've been exposed as these successful people. A lot of these Navy SEALs have seen what some of us do on the outside and realized the Navy is paying them peanuts. They can make a bunch more with the skills they've already learned. And why would they risk risk their bodies for stuff they're not going to do anyway? It's not like they're going to Afghanistan to fight. They might go to Syria. They're really doing nothing right now. And we're just waiting for China to kill us. <laughs> yeah, well, listen, well said. And uh, listen, I, I can't even begin to imagine. We need you guys. So whatever is happening here that, that's deterring the, the SEALs, uh, that's a nightmare to hear. So uh, I'm glad you're speaking on that. So ho- hopefully this thing, you know, gets a little bit better. What's next for you here, Rob? What kind, you got any more books? I know I love the sometimes you post them up there. The the uh, the words you write, the way you sign the books is hilarious. I think it's great that you allow people to come up with whatever they want to. I think it's brilliant. Are you writing any more books? Uh, I think you got one coming up with Dakota Meyer, if, I've, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. What else are you working on? Dakota Meyer and I, um, we have written a book and it takes a while to release it because if you're going to write a book as a veteran, I highly recommend you put it, you submit it to the Pentagon for approval because the, they have a process. They'll get it to agencies. Like if you're involved with stuff that I was involved in, they'll clear it because I really don't want to give away any tactics, put anyone in danger. So it took us a while. We did get it approved. We're going to release it in March called The Way Forward. Uh, nothing classified in it, but it's, it's a book about just the transition. Like, uh, what do we do now? Like, we got a guy from Kentucky being Dakota Meyer, the Medal of Honor recipient. Uh, and he got a the kid from Montana who couldn't swim that ended up in Bin Laden's bedroom. <laughs> now what? So what do we do now? Because I, you know, I got out of the Navy at like 34, or 33 years old, and it's like, okay, I, I just signed a 30-year mortgage. I, I need a job. What can I do? So it talks about the adventures you can get in if you apply yourself, realize what you're worth. Um, you can do anything. So it's just funny stories about what Dakota and I got into. So the way forward, it is available for pre-sale right now. It's on my website. It's on Dakota's website. You're usually on a, uh, on our social media too. Highly recommend. It. It's actually really funny. It gets into stuff about uh, everything from how I met my my wife now to our wedding to uh, how Tim Montana and Kid Rock ended up playing my reception on the beach and we had armed security trying to keep people out. It's a great story. Stuff about the the Kentucky Derby. Just really fun stuff where I never thought I would find myself. Um, 
And then, yeah, so The Operator, my first book, which for some reason it didn't get widely distributed. It was a bestseller, but it wasn't in airports. Weird stuff like that. But now people are reading it. Very funny book about, I'm not calling myself The Operator. It's the life of The Operator, how a guy from Montana can end up on all these missions and, and stuff because, you know, you, you apply yourself. But the thing that really caught on is, like you were saying, is I, I told people, I will, you know, within reason, and there's a very small thing I won't do, I'll sign whatever you want. And I get some funny stuff on there. I had a dude that obviously bought his buddy a book for like a birthday and it said, so-and-so, you kill it selling mattresses like I killed Bin Laden. Like just weird, funny, you know, <laughs> fun stuff. And I'll sign it it's, and people people dig it. And then, then when they post it, I'll repost it for them. And it's just, it's kind of a, it's turned into a unique thing. I guarantee other people are going to start doing it. I, I came up with the idea, but they'll start doing fun stuff like that. I like it. I think it's brilliant. Yeah, I love it. And I'm, I'm looking forward to your next book now. I've had Dakota Meyer on the podcast, another great guy. So uh, so cool to see you guys being successful out there after your military service. I know you guys are helping so many other guys that are coming out. So props to you for that. Last thing I want to hit you with here, Rob, uh, second go Can around. Can I say this. one more thing about the Dakota book? I got I to gotta plug the joke because like, I read a chapter, he writes a chapter, I read a chapter. And I said, the easy way to tell who's who is Dakota's is written in crayon. So you'll have no problem. <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, I'll definitely put a I'll definitely put a link to the pre-order in the description of the podcast episode so my listeners can over there and, and, and take a crack at it. Last thing I'll hit you with here, second go around, I'd love to ask all the dads that get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening? Uh, for the new dad about to be out there is that, and every dad will tell you this, time flies. And it seems miserable. You'll, you know, you'll see people or be yourself be in a, in a grocery store with a screaming kid, um, and you just think, how, you know, I'm not getting much sleep you're going to beg for those days back. Take advantage of every little thing from when you need to get up at 2.30 in the morning. Take that chance. Don't let mom do it. You feed the baby. Have time with the baby. Uh, hang out if it's something as simple as the baby sleeping. Listen to classical music, even classic rock. Something awesome that's going to keep it real for the kid because, like I said, they're growing into real people, and it's awesome. Um, uh, um, yeah, and, and just uh, take a look around. The, the hardest part, I think, for new parents, not not experienced parents, but new parents, is when they're on the airplane and the baby's screaming, um, look around at all the grandparents and they're just smiling because they're not going to yell at you. They know it's not your fault. You know, the, the asshole single guy is going to be pissed at your baby screaming, but they, they would all give, they would give many years back to be in your shoes holding that baby, just screaming, let him scream, whatever. If the, if the, if the people don't like it, they can leave. <laughs> yeah, very well said. I love the message. It's been an honor to have you back. Rob O'Neill, you're a first-class awesome. father all the way. And thank you for giving me a few minutes of your time on First Class Fatherhood. Thanks for having me, Alec. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Rob O'Neill for coming back to the podcast here and giving me a few minutes of his time. It was such an honor. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me that DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. If you guys are interested in helping to support the podcast here and looking to get the best night's sleep you've ever had, get over to MyPillow.com and use my promo code FATHERHOOD at the checkout. You're going to save up to 66% on your order. I highly recommend you get that mattress topper. You guys always hear me raving about it. There's a reason for that. Find out why. Go buy yourself one at MyPillow.com and use the promo code FATHERHOOD. You're going to save up to 66% on your order. All right, that's all I got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. Thank you for listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers.
your half-truths and tales As tall as the trees, I saw feelings so